Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms. I'm so excited to have Doris Saveron here today. Her bio will blow you away, everyone. Listen to this. Doris is a sought-after executive leader with over 30 years, and she has been transforming international conferences. She's been interviewed on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox TV, radio, and she speaks to crowds that have over 2,000 people. She also helps in um, third world countries and gives back there as well. She loves to travel internationally, but she has 23 years of experience in higher education. She serves on multiple boards and nonprofits. So I just feel like I hit the lottery, folks, having her here today. And I know you're going to be equally as blessed as I am. So um, Doris, welcome. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, so as we're sitting here talking about leadership, and I know that my podcast is geared towards helping mothers master their money and really take leadership of their own families, I that's why I wanted to have you on. Because I know a lot of times when we become mothers, we, you know, we think we have to be um, submissive and we, we can't stand up for ourselves and can't be the leader in our households, but that is absolutely not the case. God calls us to rise up and stand up and lead, right? Lead by action. And so today, as we're, you know, we've went through some really challenging times in COVID And we've got this cancer culture that's out there. And we're seeing a lot of different things that go against our own beliefs. As a leader, how would you encourage moms to stand up for what they believe in? And how do we handle the culture change that we're going through? So I definitely think I I did an exercise actually recently to reset because you're right. um, There is um, a lot of um, when you're trying to voice your opinion or you try to talk about what you stand for, if you're in opposition to somebody, automatically that creates dissension where before you could have a good dialogue about it and start to understand each other's perspectives. So what I did first is I went back to this exercise you can do to say, what are the values? What, like, what do you stand for? What's important to you? And I did this as a leadership exercise first because it allowed me to really look at, am I balancing the right amounts of activities? Am I doing the right things? Um, am I paying attention where I need to be paying attention? But it's called the life wheel. And around you write literally around the wheel, things that are critically important to you. Some people will put family, some will put um, financial security, some will put um, making an impact in their community. But you put that wheel on there and then you rate how how well you think you're doing against it. And so that tells you then where you need to pay attention. So for me, understanding what was important to me was the first exercise, because then when you know what's important, it's easier to stand up for it and um, defend it and have conversations about it because you're solid and you're thinking about what you believe. And so um, knowing what you stand for first is a critical exercise. And then obviously taking in information, spending time with people who understand that, 
having conversations when you are up against somebody maybe that isn't um uh isn't agreeing with you or even content like what kids are watching these days too is important to pay attention to right um how do i make sure that i'm putting the right content in front of them and paying attention to what they're actually digesting and that's a big role part of leadership for a mom is um what kind of things am i exposing the kids to or what are they being exposed to in school or entertainment and things that they're doing so um it's really getting solid about what you believe and then making sure you're paying attention to what you take in and then having honest conversations it's building relationships and just really being um, respectful of others but then defending what you stand for so i recently had a conversation with somebody that you know i'm in opposition of their belief on a certain matter and i thought okay I'm not going to get anywhere with this person because they're clearly over here and I'm over here. Right. And so I just thought, okay, we're just going to agree to disagree. Yeah. And I love this person so much that I'm not going to cross that boundary and offend them. And was that a good approach when, so, yeah. So it depends on what the topic is. So um, without knowing that detail, I would say, yes, I think that, so seeking to understand, understanding where they're coming from, listening, and then coming to a realization you're never going to agree, um, depending on what that is. Like, so if it's in a relationship that it's somebody that's close to me and the fact that they don't agree with what I agree with and it creates a hardship or it creates some issues, whether it's health, financial, then then you do have to, you might have to push on that and figure out what am I okay with giving up or what am I okay with taking risks on? Um, I would say there are some things that I will push on, even if we don't agree, even if that person's close to me, um, depending on what the outcome might be. So if it, it actually creates financial risk, if it creates um, health risks, if it creates um, potential um, challenges with um, just the state of my environment, like those are things that I will push back on. But if it's a friendship, and it's viewpoints on, you know, how worldview or what we believe um, related to that. Sometimes I'll let that go, but then there's got to be just clear expectations of what I'm going to expect of that person and what they're going to expect of me in that relationship to protect that relationship. So faith is a good one, right? Like sometimes there are people that um, I'll encounter that I build relationships with, love them, have good trust, but we just don't see eye to eye when it comes to faith. And so to me, you know, that's God's job to connect and kind of work on their heart. But if some of the what they believe starts to impede on what I can do or what I'm comfortable with, then we have to have conversations about boundaries. Otherwise, you know, there's, you just kind of have to honor who you are and honor who they are and let those bigger things get worked out. We know God's in control and he'll figure it all out, works out all in the end. Yeah, that's tough. And to not giving you more information, I would just say that I just resolve that, you know, we're not going to see eye to eye. And thankfully this person isn't part of my family, like inter-family. So, you know, that's something I'm willing to give a little bit on and not, not battle it out, but Yeah. yeah. Um, even with family, there's things we don't see eye to eye on and it's okay. We just know those are the expectations and we're not going to push each other on it. Um, and we move forward. Yeah. So you have 
obviously a family and you're really, really busy, probably more busy than the majority of us, you know, speaking all over the country. So how do you achieve work-life balance? Is that even possible, right? I've heard that people say, oh, you can't have it all. I mean, you can have it all, but not at all, all at the same time. What was your belief? Yeah, I agree. I don't know that there's a concept of work-life balance. I think it's priority balancing and sometimes one might take more of time than other. And so that's, I think I would go back to that value wheel. Like that's why I redid the value wheel exercise for me because I was feeling like, okay, I feel out of sorts. My time is starting to get away from me. I don't feel like I'm getting enough downtime. Um, So I re-looked at where was I spending, where was I off and where was I over um, indexing? And so that helped me reset. So to me, it's always about what comes first, right? So I have to look at uh, critical things with my family that are important, that comes first. There's obviously job responsibilities that are up there in priority, but I got really good at learning what to say no to and what to say yes to, and then protecting straight boundaries. Like my weekends are protected. Um, And I know a lot of people don't believe this when I say this, but I don't work on, on the weekends. I'll go a little bit later into the night during the weekday um, to make up for that, but I protect those. And so I don't open up a computer, work on projects. My mind might be cluttered sometimes, and that's where I have to go back to prayer and kind of resetting my mindset for the day. Um, but I balance it based on um, being very careful with my yeses and just as thoughtful about what I say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are, you do, you have to know, okay, for these next three weeks, um, and I, I'm speaking from example now, next three weeks, I'm going to be on the road quite a bit. So what does that mean for what's happening in other parts of my life? Um, where do I, where am I able to give? How do I stay connected? So technology helps us stay connected, which makes it easier these days. Um, but I knew for the next three weeks, I would be spending more time on professional responsibilities than um, some of the personal stuff that I do, but I planned around that. And then I reset when I get back. So it's just really being thoughtful and not letting it go too long. And then re-looking at how am I feeling? How am I physically doing? How's the family feeling? How are the work responsibilities going? And then resetting every once in a while to pivot and adjust. You have to be flexible. Yeah. I love that you don't work on the weekends. I remember when I told one of my business partners that I don't work on Saturdays. You know, I'm in real estate for a reason. And it's so that I can have balance. Right. And so when other people call you to work on the weekends, you know, you have to really analyze, is this a good partnership for me? Right. You know, they may be running at a different race than I'm running. So that that's good. Um, as a woman, what have been some of your greatest challenges navigating leadership throughout your career? So I would say um, in different parts of the life cycle, it's been different challenges. So early on, I was a really young leader. So I got promoted within six months of graduating college. I was leading a team of people that were two, three times my age, much more experienced. Um, And so I really had to lean in on how do we build that team? How do I build trust? How do I build the relationships? Um, So that was more of a building credibility. But I leverage people's talents. And so that built credibility and trust that, hey, we all have strengths. They recognize the strengths I had. We were able to leverage the strengths they did. And so that helped me get through some of those challenges. But early on, I was the youngest in the room. And so it did bring some insecurities about, well, I have this thought, but no one's talking about it. Surely they thought of it. They've been around for a long time um, and realized that there are times where I just need to speak up. And so the second part of my career was, 
um, I was starting to get into higher levels of leadership and in those leadership positions, there are tough decisions that sometimes have to be made. And I was in a room and I was thinking, these are senior leaders. They're not talking about this. Maybe they thought about it. I just won't say anything. So I didn't use my voice. And then a decision was made. It did not work out well. There was lots of impacts. We lost some good people. And the next time around when a similar situation came up, I actually said, I'm not letting that happen again because I still have regrets to that day for not speaking up. So I use it as my barometer of whenever I start to doubt my voice or not say something, I'm like, no, you're in this room for a reason. And maybe that is the one reason you're in here. You need to say that. Um, and so I did speak up the next time around. We made lots of different changes, approached it differently. And that has now been absorbed as the process for going forward. So, and it worked out well. Um, we were able to uh, su succeed on the outcome that we planned for. Um, and in the meantime, some people actually benefited, benefited from it, got promotions and some other things. So, um, so that was a challenge is like the security and that imposter syndrome as you're kind of growing in leadership and starting to work with higher level leaders. And I would say the third one, it's still um, that voice or being heard. And as you move through different levels of leadership or different audiences, so even for moms, like when you're an audience with your kids versus an audience of other parents or audience with maybe administrators as you're working through or business, if you're working through um, partnerships and trying to get an agreement signed, um, knowing that audience and how to speak to that audience is critical. And that's something I'm still, I feel like stretching today, because as you move through the levels of leadership, the audiences are different, how people speak to each other are different, the kinds of topics of conversations that are um, talked about, you just have to pivot like and adjust without losing who you are, right? So that's, again, going back to what I stand for, what's important to me, not losing that, but at the same time, um, really trying to pivot and, and, and fit in um, where people might need to hear something a different way and not just the way I would want to hear it. And so that's been probably the most recent challenge is learning how to communicate effectively depending on your audience and topic of conversation. So I can relate to that so much. Be, and, and I think probably a lot of our audience can too. Um, as women, we often don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers when we have an idea. And so you second guessing, you know, I call that the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> you're in that reason, you're in that room for a reason. And when you feel nudged, you really should, you know, yes. Walk out in faith, knowing that you're there for that reason. I can tell you over the last few years in real estate, I had an edge on a deal I wasn't supposed to do. And I did it anyway, because I was with people more seasoned than I did. You know, I was, and I figured they're smarter than me. They're all men. They, they've been doing this a lot longer than I have for 20 plus years. They know something I don't. So walked in faith thinking, okay, they know better. But my gut was saying, you shouldn't be doing this deal. And I did it anyway. And I regret to this day, not, um, you know, listening to that in my gut. And, you know, that was, you know, my, um, really a good learning nugget for me, never to dismiss that Holy Spirit nudge. Right. And worst so, case, yeah. Worst case scenario you know, you, you've got, you've got it out there, the discussion happens and you still move in a different direction, but at least, you know, you've had the conversation, right. In your case, you would have said no, and it would have probably brought up other opportunities um, for you as well. But you're right that when you're in a room with more seasoned people and for women, I think, especially we tend to 
feel like we have to have mastered it all or perfected it all before we think we're ready for the next thing or before we think um, we should speak up. And that's not how most other people operate. And so it's just like not being too critical of ourselves or not being so worried about how the response is as much as it is, let's get the conversation out there and then let's have a good quality conversation. And the outcome might not change in some cases, but at least the discussion was had. And in the discussions, there's a lot of learning is what I've learned. So even when I woke up and the idea wasn't accepted, there was a lot of learning from that. And we pivoted another idea and kind of blended some, you know, some um, uh, features of what we were discussing to make it better. And that wouldn't have happened had I not said anything. So, so you just have to keep, you're right, the Holy Spirit nudges. I actually now have prayed before certain meetings and certain conversations. Where before, like I would, you know, you'd have your, your bookends, pray in the start of the day, I would pray at the end of the day to kind of uh, balance my day. But then I compartmentalized when I was doing that. I'm like, why am I not using that wisdom in the work environment in in a professional setting? I mean, it's not any different than using it in my life. And it was just this big ha about eight, 10 years ago, where I'm like, I need to be using that wisdom all the time. And so that helps too. I knowing when I go into meetings that are going to be hard or big decisions have to be made, I'll reset. Um, and kind of have, give me the wisdom, give me the discernment, let my words be um, helpful and impactful so that I'm reset before I start that meeting too. Wow. You're wise beyond your years. I didn't learn that nugget until the last year, year and a half to make, you know, God, the savior or excuse me, the CEO of my life and my business and to just pretend he's right next to me and he's, he's my counselor and he's in every decision I'm, you know, having to make and also every conversation I'm having. So I, I really appreciate that. And hopefully we've got some young listeners out there that can heed your advice, um, at a much younger age. So, um, as you're looking towards the next 10 years, five years, what do they look like for you? You've achieved so much already. Yeah, so I am. I, I've done a lot of work in the last few years, like trying to just discern, hey, am I in the right path for the purpose that God has for my life? Right. So because there there's there's a life assignment and then there's seasonal assignments. And so I feel like I've had great opportunity. I've been gifted with the um, um, spiritual gifts of leadership and administration. And so I've been able to leverage that and can see how that's created a path through my life. But I am ready for um, looking at ways of making a bigger impact for his kingdom. So looking at what do I do, um, you know, in the next even couple of years, shifting into how do I use that in a different way that maybe has a wider impact. And so that's why you do see, you write it in the bio of work I'm doing. So I'll do, I'll work with the local church and do mission projects and go international and use that leadership skill to teach others or to help stand up programs or to do empowerment conferences for women. We've done that in India and Zambia. And so, um, so how do I use that same gifting that's had me successful in my professional environment to just have a greater impact and reach where maybe there aren't as many resources or people. So um, I, I don't see myself ever stopping working, but I do see myself transitioning to different kinds of environments and being able to impact using my leadership skills in different ways and different audiences. So I don't know why I'm feeling this, but I, I feel like I'm being led to ask you, have you thought about making some kind of toolkit or some kind of tool, whether it's a book or a study guide 
to empower single women or women in third world countries? Yeah, actually, I am working on that. That's part of this transition into this, uh, opening my own practice to mentor and coach women. And part of that is creating resources. So some of them could be available online or in print that here are the guidelines and things that I've learned so people can maybe shorten the window of um, the the mistakes that you learn from. Um, obviously, those mistakes have also been the greatest growth in my in life. So like everyone's going to have them, right? We're going to never be free of mistakes. We're human. We're not perfect. But how do I, in certain areas where it took me longer to overcome them, help other women shorten those? And the big one right now is about how to leverage your voice, knowing your voice, knowing what God's asking you to do, using your gifting through that voice um, so that others around you can be impacted and blessed by what God's designed you to do on earth. So, um, so yes, that's in the works. Um, so coming soon, <laughs> there'll be some online courses. People can take online guides, um, that I'm starting to put out there just as resources that women can grab any, actually any leader can grab, uh, to help them in growing, um, in their leadership effectiveness. Oh, I can't wait to see what you produce. Uh, that'll be really wonderful. So somebody that's called to leadership like myself, as well as you, um, what are I mean, one of the biggest challenges for me is I don't have an integrator and that's somebody that can, you know, I, I'm kind of more of a visionary and I know what needs to be done and all the steps, but then it's on the backside, having somebody implement all that stuff as somebody in leadership, what are you doing to solve those same challenges? Yeah, so I actually use this really great tool called the Eisenhower Matrix. So it actually helps you. And I did it mostly to organize my day. But in the process of organizing where I spent time, like what was important, um, I kind of organized the things that what is it that only I can do? Like, what are the things that because of the gifting, because of my skill, because of my experience is shouldn't be delegated or shouldn't be sourced out? And capture those things. And those are the things that are priorities for me. And then there are other things where I was doing, I'm like, why am I doing these? These aren't even, they're not bringing impact. So I could just stop doing them. And then there are things that are like, oh, I've got other people that can do these either on my team or outsourcing the work. Um, I mean, I own a house. I own a couple of properties. I'm like, I'm never going to do the landscaping. I don't have time for it. I don't love it. I'm not good at it. I don't have a green thumb. So I'm like, I'll just source that out, relieve that stress, and it frees me up to do the things I'm good at. I mean, that's a simple explanation of an example. But in the work environment, there are things that I was working on, projects I was working on. I'm like, this could be really a good stretch project for somebody else that has the skill sets or is demonstrating that they want to go in that direction. They can hand it off. I don't need to be a part of that. And that was really critical as I grew in leadership roles is really managing what it was that I should be doing versus what other people could be doing. The hard part is when you're in smaller business or working for yourself, that becomes even more critical because there are only things you can do to grow your business or the impact or the talent that you have. Um, and there are other things that we sometimes get tied down to because they're more comfortable or safe for us to do, right? Because we mastered it um, that others might have to do. And really evaluating that regularly is super, is super important because otherwise you won't make the impact you want if you're not leveraging your time for the things that only you can do. 
Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, I often laugh because my boys are now entrepreneurs and have started their own businesses. I said, it's great because you get to design your own schedule, but you're also the chief bottle washer, meaning you're doing it all and you're the CEO. I mean, so you're everything in between. There's a lot of long nights, as I'm sure our listeners already know, and we're that naturally being moms. But when you start to put on the work hat and trying to build a career at the same time, there's there's a lot happening. So um, I just want to encourage all of our mothers out there to keep pushing forward, keep growing upward. And and to consider reaching out to you, Doris, are you taking on new students or clients or anything like that? Yep. Um, and if yep. so, how can our audience reach you? Yeah, so I have a website, dorisavron.com, um, that there's a place there where you can kind of see the kind of work I do, but you can also request a conversation to see if there's anything that I could do to support. There's also some free resources on there, some blog articles that are tips and things that I feel like, oh, other people should really have access to this and help really help me. So, so there's some articles there. Um, and there's a free tool there too, that they can download, um, about using your voice, understanding your voice, your impact, and then leveraging it. So it has some tips on how to do that too. And it's a free guide they can download. Um, or they can email directly Doris at dorisavron.com if they just want to have a quick conversation. So. Wonderful. And I'll have all that in the show notes. So everybody can figure out how to connect with you more. Well, thank you so much for your time. I am thrilled to have you here and just so blessed that you you had time in your day to make this happen. So, Well, thank uh, you for inviting me. It's been an honor to be a part of it. And I would agree. Keep going. You've meant to do good. You've got skills and the world needs your skills. So, Amen. Well, have a wonderful day, everyone. Be blessed. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms so we can grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.